Hello, and welcome to Room Escape Divas, your podcast on everything escape rooms. We're really excited today because we have Dustin Freeman of Escape Character. I was, hi. Hi. Woohoo. My name is Errol. Amanda. And I'm Dustin. Yay! Yay! And Mike and Ruby are not here today. So Dustin is actually going to fill in for them. Actually, he is our guest for today. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's true, and he could I, interview us. I didn't see their bios. I don't know how to <laughs> pretend to be them. Oh, I think it's a lot of getting angry at me. Okay. And, and I can do that. Yeah, that's true. It's easy to do once you're in an interview with me. So we're excited because it's not very obvious what escape character is. So if you could explain to us what that is, that'd be amazing. So escape character looks at ways for actors to create live experiences at a distance. So what that means is I'll take an actor, put like them in front of a green screen, or like maybe I'll put them in VR, and then it make remote experiences that audiences can participate in, uh, you know, from elsewhere. This is inspired by me like being a technologist, but also like living all over the world and have really spread out friend groups. And so things like escape rooms or like immersive theater or like LARPs or theme parks are all like in-person experiences pretty much exclusively. So... I've been thinking a lot about how to make technology so you could do things together remotely that aren't just like, let's drop into a first-person shooter or an MMO or something. And the, yeah, I have a background in improv. I know tons of people who do improv. And I know one thing I know about <laughs> improvisers or circus people or buskers is they can take anything and make it funny and engaging and charming. So I've made stuff that looks... So I made the show called The Aluminum Cat that looks a little bit like a training wheels LARP with like light escape room elements, but slash light D and D module that's really easy to drop into. So you can actually see us play this. I don't know if you guys saw us uh, post about post our playthrough of the aluminum cat. Uh, It's different from a regular playthrough in that you can actually hear us, our reactions to it. Um, your poor actor couldn't hear what we were saying, but you could <laughs> see the results of it. <laughs> so it is interesting the way that if you haven't seen the video, although I suggest you take a look at our playthrough of it, the idea is, or maybe I should, yeah, uh, maybe you would explain, you can okay. explain a lot uh, better than me. So, I mean, and, and uh, you'll like cut in. So I had this like idea of like, wouldn't it be nice uh, if, I could, you know, do the thing I just described where let's have an actor, you know, build a, make a live experience for you where maybe you go on an adventure with a group of people, they play a bunch of different characters. So I like prototype this a ton in person. I put the actor in VR and I put everyone else on game controllers and the actor would like play all the NPCs. And this is inspired by like, what if I could make Skyrim, (laughs) but every character was a real person. So they could kind of, it's not just D&D where it's entirely in your mind, where, um, but like it's actually like real and you can look at it and there's graphics there. Uh, and then I did that a bunch. Like I must have done 50 or 60 run-throughs of that with a bunch of different people. And I discovered that the average person who I'm trying to go for, like I'm trying to make the average person's like life way happier, not the like theater LARP nerd, didn't like to talk to actors. They, they were, <laughs> this is true, we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I can... Uh, they're intimidated by it, especially if the actor's super in character. Like, if the if an actor comes up to you and says to you, forsooth, good sir, where doth thy fine apples in town? You're like, uh, over at the trees? Like, you feel like an idiot. Like, uh, and you feel very uncomfortable. And so most people didn't want to talk to actors at all. 
And as I thought about doing this online, I was worried about like audio and video lag. And if you've ever been in a multi-way phone call, <laughs> yeah. most of our what? Skype uh, interviews yeah. on this podcast usually crash at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and you talk over each other because like there's a hundred milliseconds or so. And like someone says, are you talking? Oh, no, you go. No, you go first. Um, so anyway, I was like, well, what if, what if you don't, you can't talk at all. <laughs> so in the Illumin Cat, you don't talk or type at all to the actor. Uh, you actually just wave your mouse around and you can uh, change like emojis and you can point at certain concept concepts and it sounds crazy, but it works weirdly well, to be honest. <laughs> are you you're not running this in the future, are you? Are we allowed to do spoilers? I mean, we, uh, you, yeah. you can do spoilers. Yeah, uh, considering so so it's, it's on hold. For, it's on hold for now. Like you can totally do spoilers. Yeah, I don't even know why I asked. Considering we published the video, which right, has right. all sorts of spoilers. But in case you want to do it, we are going to talk about spoilers of the Illumina Cat and probably any other. We're, if we rebound it, we're going to change some things. So like, oh, just okay. go, just go ahead and talk about Woo-hoo! it. We can go wild. Yeah, it's like you can. Picture us trying to say aluminum for this entire podcast. Ugh, I hate you that word. Say aluminum. <laughs> you can say sound, cat. It just sounds weird. The cat. The cat yes, play. That works. Aluminium? Maybe you want the to cat. say it the British way. Aluminum. No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> so it was really fun. So if you haven't seen the video, you should take a look at it, just so you can see what we're talking about. We d- we did actually have a lot of fun. It was really interesting because, as you said, we couldn't do anything other than move our mouse around, mm-hmm. our mice around. Each, each of us were on a different computer, and each of us had our own emoji mouse pointer, and we we're just waving the thing about. And the actor uh, Stephanie, I do believe yeah. her name is, had to somehow translate what we were trying to indicate by our mouse waving into real direction, which she did quite well. But since there are four of us all going spastic, that must yeah, have been hard. I, I remember you guys were a little bit more spastic than normal. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, like after, after you guys stopped, Stephanie turned to me and she's like, that was a really spastic group. And I was like, yep, that's right. <laughs> oh, so we're more spastic than normal, really? Yeah, oh. big surprise. Uh, so the, the, the funny thing... All right, all right. Another reason, another reason why, like, letting your audience talk or voice is like they can be, they can heckle, right? And they can like ruin the show that way. Not saying that you guys would do that at all. I'm not. I'm not Arrow would. But well, like, oh, I don't heckle. But I just try to like you know really engage them. You try to break them. Yeah. <laughs> but but if if you don't, if you as an audience member are a considered audience member and you don't know the amount of talking you're supposed to do, then you'll say nothing. Just like, because you're like, oh, I assume it's theater or something like that, right? Like, if you go to Medieval Times and you're, like, yelling at the night, they're probably going to be like, you're probably, other people probably perceive that as rude. So, we were trying to figure out, I was trying, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, if I'm, I can't use text or voice, uh, what can I do? Uh, so, I was, like, thinking about different, like, conversational video, like, systems I've seen in video games. Have you guys seen Dark Souls? Or played Dark Souls? Mm-hmm. So, in Dark Souls, you can, like, write sentences and then leave them on the ground and there's this little sentence drop down menu builder and I was like oh maybe everyone will be able to like use this drop down system together and uh, that sounded like a lot of work but I was like but I was like maybe maybe I'll do that one day um, if you guys played Mass Effect yes so in Mass Effect you instead of choosing the line your character's gonna say you kind of choose the sentiment of like uh, screw you or can't we just get along? And then your character says some paragraph that's like well acted. Yeah. Um, so I was like, and eventually I just went to this like Ouija board style interface where everyone can kind of point at things like threaten, 
comfort, flatter, uh, what do you want? And the actor's job is to make sense of that. Kind of like how Massive Effect makes sense of that. Like, your your character is not going to say something super stupid in Mass Effect, because, like, the scriptwriter's job is to make it make sense. So our improviser's job is to, like, even if you guys are doing scattered things, they have to imply what you're doing, which works weirdly well. And frankly, for most improvisers, it isn't too hard. <laughs> I was I was really impressed with Stephanie's ability. Even though we were all being kind of spastic, she kind of got a grasp of the types of people we were. So immediately she starts berating Errol for always misbehaving. Right. Or she... Were you green? Mike! What? You were green, I right? Was, I was... Green I was, or blue? I was the one that had the latrine cleaner. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yes. Or or Mike, who, who would always just be... Like, he was probably the second troller in there. Yeah, yeah. She always did the opposite of what she wanted. Yeah, 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 and then she always knew that she ended up knowing that I would probably compliment her in the right, end. Right. It, like it was, I was appreciative of that. She recognized, like, oh, I always knew I could count on you for the, for compliments, and yeah. <laughs> did you guys? Did you guys tiny one up with the hose? What? No, we did not. Oh, oh. you can tie people up with the hose. Huh? Yeah, so I'm I'm going through and uh, analyzing all our shows right now. Uh, we had 35 runs with 131 people in total, and I like I have like a spreadsheet of what everyone did, uh, and we had 27 people get tied up with the hose. So if you like take the hose and like bring it over to the actor and kind of rub it around in circles, uh, the actor will go like, "Oh, why are you tying me up?" <laughs> Wow. No, and I, a lot of groups discovered this. I guess you guys didn't. No. Well, I think Stephanie saw that I just like to clean. Right, right, so right. So even if I did put it on her, it was yeah. more along the lines I was trying to clean her. Did you clean up the murder scene? Uh, yes. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that was yeah. Really fun. About like, about like four of the groups did that. And it's always like real unsettling. <laughs> They're like, do you recognize what you're doing? <laughs> I didn't realize that that's what was going to happen. And I was like, oh, it's clean now. <laughs> I was... That was funny. I thought that you would... were complicit. Yeah, that's what I was worried about. Oh well, at least it was clean. Yeah. So just just as a context, there's a bunch of basically static graphics. Yeah. That's there's there's a bunch of backgrounds that an actor is green screened in front of. Yes, and and uh, the one part of one part of the ship ended up get, having like a pool of blood yeah because <laughs> a character you met before got murdered it got murdered by us i think yeah it actually wasn't you guys it was someone it was someone else but it was because oh wait yes it was you're right you're right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but like because you cooperated with them yeah we didn't murder anybody kind of i'm not no, too sure totally murdered the person who no you oh right 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 for their murder yeah no but then i think we we mur- we 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 shot a lot yeah, of people yeah you did yeah shoot a lot of people. <laughs> mean to shoot as many people as we did i i thought it was a threatening thing then it turned out oh we shot her oh whoops yeah so that was one of the difficult parts for me which is why i'd love to have another stab at it not a literal stab yeah, but you're you know a stabbing motion with your hand right i now, am but okay <laughs> but uh one of the things that i found a struggle actually was because i didn't have my vocal words yeah uh trying to when i because i wanted to do the the talking option like let's let's talk it out let's be reasonable but i couldn't seem to find the right combinations and then yeah combined with our spastic nature i don't think we were making it any easier for the actor to respond so she was too busy paying attention to mike like being making frowny faces at her yeah <laughs> and uh yeah i was cleaning if you, i remember correctly i was cleaning yes <laughs> Uh, so it, so what's one thing that's nice about 
the the actor has a ton of control over the reality of the world, right? Like mm-hmm. they can they can they can say, "Oh, you shot me fatally," or "Oh, you just shot me in the arm," yeah. or whatever. They just like a good dungeon master, like they can. You could tell the dungeon master that you want to do something, and a dungeon master could be like, "Ah, oh, that worked," or "Ah, oh, that didn't." Yeah. So it's kind of her job to like make sure the flow of the show makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, it did. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but and also like read a group of like, are you guys gonna be crazy? Or you're gonna be not crazy. And if like <laughs> if 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 you shot three people in the row, maybe the maybe in the fourth person, like she won't let them get shot. She'll be like, "Oh, you hurt me. What do you What do you want? Like, what's going on here?" Yeah. Um, the uh. What'd you guys do? You had to deal with the captain. Did you just shoot him? We tried to talk, but it wasn't. She didn't seem to be working. So we thought maybe we'll threaten with the gun, and that ended up being <laughs> <just> shooting him. <laughs> great, great. So, so, so if you can't, if you can't tell from listening, um, this is a game where you're wandering on a spaceship, talking to a bunch of characters. There's a mutiny underway. You. You get some data off the ship. You break a uh, prisoner at a prison. You deal with a captain who's going to hunt you down if you don't. Um, so there's sort of puzzle elements, but it's more about like social discovery and probably it's closest to like a telltale game. Like, yes. Yeah. It's not. The hard parts are kind of like figuring out what you want to do and making sure you talk to everyone. Like some group, like three groups, didn't find the gun, for example. Oh, cool. Um, uh, and I, I kind of like want you to leave the show feeling like. I'm not sure if I made the right choices. <laughs> well, we definitely left with that feeling like, maybe we shouldn't have shot everybody. I don't know. I wanted to go and get the poor guy that was in space. Was it the cook? Yeah. I saw, yeah. I saw the skull. I was wondering if we could go out and get her body. No, no. no it's dead. <laughs> Cook's dead. There's no, there's no branch of the show where the cook doesn't die. Oh, okay. Or even because I saw the body floating up yeah. there. I was like, can I go out there? Can we grab her? Bring her back in? Do a proper burial? No, sadly. So running this game, yeah. did Steph do it all? Was it, Or did you actually have a, hopefully a second person that helped with you know, switching scenes. So the for the first three or four times, I was like switching scenes with her. The otherwise, the actor runs it all. So Steph oh, Steph wow. learned the role. That's a lot to keep track of. So actually, it kind of isn't, oh, okay. which is kind of crazy. Which is kind of crazy. And like, so I'll, I can describe a little bit of what it looks like like behind the scenes. So uh, I mean, for example, a dungeon master who runs a D and D module can take notes and then has like a little thing they can read through, uh, and you don't need another person to like changed things or like maybe you'll get one of your players to like help place pieces or keep track of like initiative order or something like that but like we don't have any of that stuff we don't have any like crunchy mechanics um so i helped the i helped the first like four shows or so and then it was like all steph um oh wow yeah you know she had costume changes too so yeah uh (laughs) so so there's uh about an arm's radius away from her i'm there are the costumes for every single character that you can just put on and off really quickly. And the interface on her side is extremely simple. There oh. is choose which background is uh-huh. going to appear and choose which video filter you're putting on yourself. So, like, do you want to look like a hologram? Do you want to put that static screen up? Mm-hmm. And that's it. But what about things like turning on different items and turning on... Oh, you- yeah, she could just click. She could. That's a toggle. She could just click to give or take an okay. item. Because it didn't look like she was using a mouse or a computer. A computer yeah, she anything. just got really practiced at not moving her shoulders while wow. reaching forward and clicking. That's impressive. Good job, Stephanie. <laughs> I totally thought that there was somebody else just controlling it. No. So, and, and that's and that's like how it would make sense to do anyway, because like yeah. based on how much you guys are paying, it's like it's kind of like if you have an like you could have an escape room uh, where maybe you have like 
one actor and two operators behind the scenes, but then like the tickets or the number of people would be, have to be really high. So I was aiming for something that could be economically, economically sustainable. Yeah. I also enjoyed, well, that's even more impressive because I, um, the, Especially, again, we were spastic, and <laughs> choosing the location on the ship, we'd all go in, like, different directions, so even just her probably trying to determine what we were actually going to. <laughs> Although that might have made it easier, because it gave her time. Yeah, to, that's true. If we were sitting there going, here, no, here, no, here. That's that's 100% correct. She's like, <laughs> like, we actually we actually designed it that way. It used to be that you just would, like, choose where you're going from the original, from, like, your previous room. But we were like, what if we put in a map view? And then the actor can just hang out while the right. people like screw around making decisions. <laughs> so how many um, how many endings do you have? Well, the thing it's or not branches. If you're I if guess. you're doing like a video game, you maybe have like a pretty set number of endings. Mm-hmm. This uh, it's not really some of it is pre-scripted, some of the stuff is like really surprising. So like we had about six groups just hijack the entire ship. <laughs> Because they uh, they kill the captain and then talk to the pilot and then convince them to fly off. Oh, cool! Um, we had most groups would escape in the escape pod. Um, we had about five groups. I, I know these exact numbers because I just went through a spreadsheet and categorized. <laughs> we had the or most groups escaped in the escape pod. Five of the groups that like left it in the escape pod like sabotaged the ship so it would blow up. <laughs> like they would go to the server bank and like shoot out all the servers while Kev is like, what the hell? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then, like, for the number of endings, like, maybe those are the endings, but, like, it's about, like, who did you rescue? And, like, in one case, we had a couple people convince the captain to flee with them to the Resistance. Um, Oh, cool. Like, he would get guilty because they'd read poetry to him. Oh, that's what I was trying. I was like trying to throw the book at him. And oh yeah, like, I don't care about a stupid book. Come on, <laughs> do it. Uh, <laughs> so, Mike shot him. So I think I think I like I care more about feeling like you as the um, players feeling like you had an effect on the thing. Yeah. Rather than yeah. like, did you get the a certain ending? Because if you like read, I don't know, like most Bioware games, you can like read like, oh, do I get the best ending? Do I get all the best romance options? And I kind of don't want that ever. Because <laughs> like, I feel like oh, that's yeah. like that's like you're min-maxing a narrative, which is like, that. that's... Mm-hmm. That's what I do for almost all games. Right. Min-max it, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, narrative-wise, I agree with you. I kind of want you to feel like you don't have a ton of control over it. <laughs> you maybe like could have some regrets. <laughs> no, it was, it was enjoyable, like, to... Because we did still have an effect. Yeah. Like, our actions... Yeah, Errol cleaned everything. Yeah. That had an effect on things. In fact, she took away the latrine hose at some point, right? Yeah, I was shocked you oh, gave yeah. it back to me. I was <laughs> like, wow, you gave it back. Other stuff I kept track of was, like, how'd you break the purse... How'd you uh, get... Um, how'd you get out, get past the quartermaster? Like, how'd you get the quartermaster out? And so most right. people shot... Most people shot the, like, jailer, quartermaster slash jailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, like threatened or tricked him mm. um yeah like there's i think there's like a fun agency that kind of matters like when you play D, you don't play to win right yeah yeah you you it's it's play is self-expression which i think is like really interesting so we were the first group to all be in the same room together yeah. i hear and so the majority of the time everybody was in a different room or maybe you had a Pairs or couples in the same? Um, we had a couple couples of couples be in the same room. We had a pe- we had a couple people who like bought one ticket and two of them, one would be like using the mouse and the other person would be like looking over their shoulder, which I think is mm-hmm. like really cute too. 
<laughs> we had a group that used to do escape rooms together, but two of them moved to Australia. Oh. Yeah, and so this is the first thing they were able to do in a while. And I was like, yeah, that's heartwarming. Because <laughs> um, I think finding quality time at a distance is, is super important. Yeah. As, a, as I have friends and relatives really spread out. So, like, sometimes what I'll do with my brothers is we'll just, like, pop in and play, like, some random game like Civ or Apex Legends or something like that. And it's like, somehow like having an actor makes it for quality time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so th- th- those, those are the things that are really interesting. And there are, I think the one group that was like the people who did escape rooms together, they also like maybe were audio chatting through discord or something. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you notice any different dynamics or were we pretty much all the same regardless of where we were? Um, there were some groups that were like, annoyingly indecisive (laughs) and then like the thing so uh steph did most of the shows i did four of them and i had another actor named ted who did another six um so we ran three shows with only one people and one of those was sort of okay the rest they were they were kind of too indecisive um and it was actually like stressful to the actor because you'll like ask questions uh, and then if they're if they're like indecisive or they don't give something to you, it's like, okay, you're just watching a, a static mouse, or right? A, like smiley face, and you know. it's like it's like <laughs> trying to have like an emotional conversation with someone who's like, <laughs> you know, dead. I wonder if you could somehow put in a voting system then after that. I don't know if that yeah, would work. We so the over time we got better at asking yes or no questions, um, so that lets people respond really quickly, um, but. Uh, yeah, I like I we ran these three one-person shows as an experiment, but determined that it's better to, you know, do stuff in groups. And especially like three to four is pretty good because then at least one person will be a crazy person uh, that'll drive things forward, and it won't be that that same person for every scene. Right. Um, the biggest we did was six, and that actually wasn't that bad. But I think any more would be crazy. And you mentioned, you know, learning about, like, that yes or no questions are better than open-ended questions. Yeah. What are the, some of the other things you learned from this experience? Um, okay, one thing... Okay, my background's doing long-form improv. Uh, so, like, 20 to 40-minute sets with eight people where we haven't planned anything in advance. So, uh, other people come to, like, things from different backgrounds. So, so a lot of immersive theater, theater people come from, like, dance or something like that where let's do dance in weird weird spots a lot of people who do escape rooms come from like logic puzzles and then like oh there's an actor there is the actor a logic puzzle uh and then a lot of people who like do these things maybe come from like larp or D um uh so the way i was able to think of it um and i got the other actors to think of it this way was the audience is like a poor improviser um, and so if you've done improv before, you're used to working with people who just aren't good improvisers. They're just, in, I mean, just inexperienced. So, or not good. Yeah. <laughs> but, and so like you don't upstaging them looks bad. Like it looks, it looks like you're kind of being shitty to them from the audience. So what you do is you like do stuff called, uh, you, 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 you are driving the show 90% of the time, but you make it look 50, 50. So you do things like endowing. And so endowing is like. Um, I'm standing on stage, one of you walks on, and I say, like, oh, your face is wet again. And that gives you something very easy to work with. Um, or if you, if you say, and then if you say, yeah, 
then I'm like, okay, I'll endow you with something else. <laughs> and then I'll, I might be like, oh, it's probably because you jumped in the pool again when I told you not to. So like I'm giving you lots of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we would, um, the, like the actor, we, we train ourselves to think that way. Like make sure you're moving it forward because the, like we, the audience just can't give you much. But like you as that like not as good improviser after I said those things will probably like feel like you added a lot to the scene and you'll probably have a good time. Uh, and that's like a learned thing you do. You know, the funny thing is, is that I don't know if I've ever seen the ad- endowing thing as prevalent in all the... Imp- I've seen a lot of bad improv. Right, right, right. Yeah. I've seen oh, a everyone has. a lot of bad improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I have seen some amazing improv. And yeah. So that's, that's what's been fun. But I, I don't think I've ever seen people do the endowing thing as much because I see the other improvers and they'd be new so i'm not like trying to put them down but they just like freeze on stage and we'd be sitting there for a long time yeah you're looking at me like uh you know no, no, you've seen yeah you've seen lives. those right and yeah. so thinking oh did anybody i'm not an improv i didn't yeah. know i don't know the theory so i was like doesn't anybody teach them about that endowing thing that sounds brilliant well, it's it's like <laughs> when it's best what it's best done when you don't when you don't notice it um but yeah, that's like that's like the major thing I like learned. That was the easiest way to think about it, um, mm. because if you expect the audience to make choices, oh. they won't. So yeah. I th- okay. Oh, a thing I like learned several years ago was um, people people get really excited about like interactive theater or interactive things, and if you like follow that word interactive, like it's this mysterious unicorn, you start doing things like adding polling and like adding choices and like. Um, like having the villain, having like the villain antagonist turn to you and be like, "So do you want me to kill this guy?" And like that just ruins the show or ruins whatever you're doing because then the audience feels like they're a Mary Sue. <laughs> they feel like, "Why am I the center of this story?" Like it doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, and I've gotten. I think the word interactive is like a bad thing to chase. I think the word participatory is a good thing to chase. Like you participate. Mm. Like someone says to you, "Here, hold the suitcase. You need to come with me." Or duck or like hey pretend to be this bush in the school play like you have a lot of if you're if you're not if you as an audience member is not are not comfortable with doing a bunch of things you can just follow that instruction exactly if you have a little bit more flexibility you can like make some goofy choices like maybe you'll you'll like kind of walk like a ninja or do or do something really funny and the actor can like let you know if that's like on course or not so i think i like I set the bar at what the audience does, like slightly above zero, with like lots of room for like extra expressiveness. I think we've found that if you give them puzzles, they'll at least sort of attempt it because mm-hmm. they have a direction to go. But they still will not like interacting with with people in general. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Do you have an idea? Do you remember? You're cruel to people, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I wasn't. I was no, good to people. No, no, you were. Except the uh, one time. My character was cruel. Your character was my cruel. My character was a cruel character. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what, what we found with with audience and what we tell our actors, and we said this on the podcast before, is that you know, like, gate. You have to gauge people's comfort level. Oh yeah. So we'd have people come up to us with their own character, with this, and of course, I'm going to respond to that, and I will be completely in character. If a person came up to me and was just shyly asking the clue that they need. I'm not going to deny them that. Yeah. And I'm I'm just going I will lower my intensity. Yeah. Like based on how scared they look. <laughs> so what you just described, like judging people kinda not judging, gauging people live mm-hmm. was one of the reasons why I decided that I couldn't it that wouldn't work at a distance for remote stuff. Yeah. Because I would have cases where the actor would turn to um 
like a player's character model and like ask them a really serious question and i would like i would be outside vr i'd be looking at the person and the person would be like i can't i'm gonna try to describe it they'd be like shyly shaking their head very little i'm like oh that person was not ready and the actor couldn't tell because they can't see they can't like judge their body language right and i was like okay the expecting text or voice in the audience is just not going to work. We need to have like really subtle stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So before you did Illuminant Cat, you've been talking about other VR things you've done. What have you done in the past with Escape Character or any other organization? um, All right. So the first version, the Illuminant Cat is like totally streaming. It's using video in the browser. um, And Illuminant Cat like launched at about the same time that like Netflix's Bandersnatch did, Mm. which I was so grateful for because like, you know, as as a small creative company trying to do something weird, you would think that normally is bad, that you're like, oh man, there's this big company stealing my thing, but like, it makes it so much easier to describe what the hell you're doing to people who are never going to look at your thing anyway. Yeah. It's uh, like how when Pokemon Go oh, came out, yeah. all of a sudden everybody knew what ARG was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I had, like, I literally had a friend I was working with who, like, was trying to pitch an AR app we were working on, and he was like, finally I can just say it's Pokemon Go, but different. Um, <laughs> so, uh, before... Okay, so my I did like a PhD in motion capture. So like in 2008, motion capture, like Andy Serkis, Gollum, Lord of the Rings was like $100,000 plus. Over time, that has become vast, vastly cheaper. So like the Microsoft Connect came out um, and then VR came out. And so like it has become super, super cheaper for actors to be embodied remotely. So that was like the whole thing I got into. Like and my first version, my first kind of three pieces of content I made none of which got publicly released, like they'd be publicly demoed, but I didn't release them for tickets, where I'd use VR so that uh, an actor could play like an NPC in a video game. So I would like, use something called inverse kinematics so that like you could take the headset position and the hand position to animate an entire character. Um, and then did a bunch of those and was like, you know, I'm kind of overcomplicating this. Like I followed the very like banana's vision of like, let's live animate characters in an RPG. And turns out, <laughs> That I could, like, just do this with streaming video and, like, wearing different hats. So let's do that first before I complicate things again. Um, Like, I built, I'm going to be honest, I built really cool design tools for that. So, like, you would, so as an actor, you would be, like, walking over, uh, like, an Agatha Christie uh, scale set, like a mansion, and there'd be little NPCs around. And, like, you could jump inside an NPC's body, like Patrick Swayze in Ghost, that's the metaphor I use, and you could jump out again. And then you could watch, like, ethereally, watch the players wander around. And then you could jump up to, like, Godzilla scale is what I called it. So you're about 40 meters tall. And then you can grab characters like they're dolls and move them around as long as the players aren't looking at it. And you could jump back down. So, like, I built something that was really cool there. But it was, like, definitely overkill for what it, what was necessary. And then that, I mean, those that was something called the Sea Shanty, uh, which we performed a couple times. Um, and But before that when I was still trying to figure out, like, oh, let's get actors to do things, I built a game, which was unreleased, called Our Evil Tower, where one, like, I was hoping it would be a streamer, would play basically Sauron. (laughs) And everyone else played the Fellowship of the Ring. And the person who was playing Sauron would have a VR headset and would be, like, at the top of this tall tower and look, be looking around, kind of like the Eye of Sauron. Yeah, yeah. And everyone else would be trying to like bring this ring to the tower without them noticing. Um, and I'm just I'm just imagining just Sauron as a guy in VR now. Just, yeah, <laughs> that's what he was doing the whole but, time. But yeah, remember that in, in the in the what's the last movie? 
Return of the King. Yeah. When they're nearby and the eyes going like, where the hell is it? I know yeah. it's near. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so that, that for me, a lot of the stuff I make is like goofy multiplayer things where there's like kind of a game, but mostly it's about, it's dramatic. Um, and before that, I've worked at a bunch of like AR and VR, pretty technical companies. Yeah. So that's, that's awesome. So do you have, what do you have lined up next then? I'm trying to figure that out. Um, <laughs> This this show is really fun. I'm I'm currently looking for a full time job, um, but I don't think this is the kind of podcast where I'd plug that. But, but uh, you never know. Yeah, I never know. You never uh, know. No, it's been it's been fun running this, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking for a full time job, and then I'll figure out what my side projects are going to be henceforth. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you to develop Aluminum Cat? So that was done crazy fast so the thing is when people ask that question they assume that you wake up one morning with the idea fully formed in my head uh so uh but that was not the case so the aluminum cat was uh the code on that started mid-december i hired natalie xena Walshots, the writer mid-january i had that hired the background artist Susanna comza um early january our first show was February 10th, Whoa. so it was, oh, wow. it was so, super yeah. fast. I, uh, and because I, like, I knew how much money I had to work with time-wise, and so I like set up pretty, pretty quick deadlines. Uh, and everything I've been doing had been in Unity before, but this is done through video streaming. So like, I mm. did a, like a, I used Rust as a backend for programming, which, was very, which is very nice to make a multiplayer backend in. The compiler has very useful error message, error <laughs> messages. Um, so that was like done really fast, but like the design of the Illumicat was like heavily informed by like other, these like three other prototypes that I'd done um, where I discovered, I discovered like how to design quests and how to design like audience interaction. Oh, and this, I didn't mention this before, but um, so the actor, the scripts for the actor, um, after people see a show, they always ask these, they always say like, oh, those are really f- like hilariously written lines. Um, there's no written lines in the script. Mm. Like Natalie is like the scenario designer. Like there's no written lines at all. The, what, what the script looks like is a, um, is a 10 page world Bible. And if you've been to a fan wiki for a TV show, um, it looks a lot like that. Like it's like, it's each character, it's where they live, it's the settings, it's like what, you know, powers and abilities, who they're into, what their relationships are with other people. And an actor can look at that and kind of memorize it really easily and just talk as one of those characters in, mm-hmm. in character. It's very easy. Um, any, anyone who has an improv background can do it. Uh, an actor might have more problems as opposed to an improv Right, right, actor. yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm definitely going for improv actor. Those are, those are all the people I'm going for. And then there is a three-page checklist of what happens in each act. So the Aluminum Cat is a three-act show where certain things need to happen in each act. And I think to end the first act, you need to transfer off the data ship. To end the second act, you need to break uh, the prisoner out of prison. Third act is when you escape the ship or uh, hijack the ship. <laughs> or hijack or just kill or everybody. Or destroy <laughs> everybody. No one, no one actually destroyed the ship and then blew themselves up. That would have been nice. I would have oh, liked that. Oh, um, man. I should have destroyed the ship. But, uh... But yeah, it uh, it um, it's it's like a little world bible, and it's actually like they have they almost have like cue cards in front of them on like a clipboard. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's stuff like this happens, then this happens, or, but it's more like oh, if they talk to this person, then they will talk. That person will talk about these things. Um, right. So it's it's like little reminders, but there's no lines. Like, there's no lines yeah. at all. 
So I first met Dustin on the No Proscenium. Is that how I pronounce it? I never yes. know how to pronounce this thing. Yeah, that's it. Uh, which is an immersive Slack chat. In other yeah. words, a Slack chat dedicated to the immersive <laughs> it's theater an immersive world. Immersive Slack chat. It's a very immersive <laughs> chat system. And and so, uh, being that you were there, and I don't know how involved you are in the immersive industry within Toronto, or how involved or developed that is. Uh, so I got. Okay, no proscenium is about um, immersive theater, but also immersive experiences. And like this is a this is a very hazily de- defined space. So uh, that includes. I was describing this to like multiple people after going to the immersive design summit, mm-hmm. which is like a. They, this mm-hmm. is the second year they've run it. So the people that show up at the immersive design summit are uh, people who do immersive theater productions, Disneyland, VR companies who are really bad at content. Um, pe- pe- people who've been doing like performance art in alleyways for like no money for several years, uh, and then like Netflix, like the mix of the mix of people who are all kind of like getting towards the same. Oh, and escape room runners, right? Like the mix of people who are all kind of going after the same thing are like really weird. So what I do is like training wheels, D and D, LARP with puzzly elements. Like we're all going after making very engaging experiences. Um, uh, no, pro- no proscenium has like a really good li- like good definition that I'm going to screw up here. But the definition I like of immersive is like something that really asks something of their, of their audience. Um, I don't like the word interactive, participatory. I like way more. Um, but like, but like, no proscenium is like a bunch of people who like think about that stuff. Like escape rooms as a genre is like a really specific subset. But like, no proscenium is more like, or at least the no proscenium group is more like what are, what's like stuff that really engages people in some way. So I got into that because I used to go to this thing called the Adventure Design Group when I was living in San Francisco, and they were talking about, we talked about these kind of things, like what's like a really engaging experience that asks things of people? And so the people that were going to that group are like people that made board games. But then also like someone started running a like $2,500 for a couple for a weekend, like immersive mystery where you're trying to chase down a horse on a car that's like kind of like a wedding weekend. Like I it, heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's called the Headlands Gamble. Yeah. Um so it's like the same collection of people going after these things. And what's really nice and what's so nice is like people want that. Like isn't it nice that people want that? They're like hungry for stuff. People seem to be seeking it out a lot. Yeah, yeah, more. yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. It, thankfully thankfully it makes all of us very happy. Both creators <laughs> and consumers. Yes. So what what is it like in Toronto, the immersive um, scene? I guess like most of what I do is pretty is like remote. There's a lot of immersive theater companies that do interesting things. Like Single Thread does really interesting things. Um, there's the company uh, that did the the Great Hall. What was what were they called? The Night of Saint George. The uh, Vampire one. Yeah, the Vampire Vampire one. That was nice. Uh, <laughs> there's a Secret City does like my favorite escape rooms that involve Secret live actors. City Adventures. Yeah. 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 Um, one thing that's nice about Toronto as opposed to San Francisco is there's just tons of actors who are very who can like afford to live there, unlike San Francisco, oh, where there's a lot okay. of rich people but no actors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and frankly, that was like going to be my, my that was like my business model. I'm like, let me let me give all these actors mocap suits and uh, ha- have people who are in Manhattan or San Francisco uh, do, see like it. yeah yeah pay yeah. for it. Um, so. One, like, Toronto's kind of like Chicago or I guess New York in that there's like a really heavy indie improv scene, 
there's lots of people who are like really good at this stuff that are that are really underused. Uh, I I don't think I see a lot. Of, I haven't seen as much like in person, like immersive. Im, impro- like there isn't as much like in person immersive improv theater. I think I a lot of the like immersive theater you see is like very grandiose and serious. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yeah, which is fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But but I would love to, I would love to like do more weird like Westworld well like Westworld's a bad example I would love to do I love to do more experiences where you just get a bunch of funny people and have them play characters uh, there was a oh, what was it that's what we do yeah because yeah there was we don't have serious plots in ours there was something at a where it was like Ghostbusters the movie experience where um, they played the movie Ghostbusters but then like paused the movie like two or three times and actors would do bits. Like not like not like Rocky Horror Picture Show where right. where they kind of do it during the movie. Like this is they would pause the movie. Oh, and that was like I think that was done at Zero Gravity Circus. That was like that was pretty cool. Cool. Um, and that was done by a bunch of people who were in Sex T Rex, which is a oh, improv yeah, yeah. improv yeah. group. It doesn't what it wasn't done by them. It was a different company, but mm-hmm. had, a lot, had a lot of overlap. Yeah, I I'd love to see more of the immersive theater community in Toronto. I've seen a couple of things. Yeah, but I just don't know where to. Right now, anyway. I think like, compared to... Like, somewhere like LA, for instance, yeah. where it's, like, just everywhere. Uh, so LA and New York and San Francisco benefit from a lot of rich, bored people. And I don't think Toronto has the same population <laughs> of rich, bored people. Or the rich, bored people just oh. aren't interested in... in right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. Um, yeah. Homes are a million dollars now, so... It's, well, I think it has to be... Yeah, yeah people must be rich now, Nobody's right? Nobody's rich now that you think about it. Although... As you said, when you have an interesting experience, people will be really interested in going to it. So yeah. a lot of people, like, for example, love SC, uh, Secret City Adventures and yes. go to their, their games. We found, especially for our train event, once people found it was on a moving train, we did not advertise that at all. Nice. Some of them didn't even know it was an escape room. They just booked it. Oh, they yeah. booked it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I would known about that, I would have booked it. Yeah. Um, so all my, our, I was saying, all our friends would ask us, so can we get tickets? And we said, no, it's sold out. We don't even know how it was sold out. It's funny. I guess, is there like even, this is like dangerously going to commit us to projects, but like, is there even like a regular meetup for immersive creators to talk? In Toronto? Yeah. I, I don't know. I wouldn't I... know. And, and then why the fuck not? <laughs> It would be cool. Like, it would be we, cool. We didn't to, just volunteer to... ourselves, did we? <laughs> Dustin I did. hate when that happens. <laughs> Do it, Dustin. It's on record now. I'm trying to get Manna to get me the Don Jail. Yeah. Yeah, we want to do an event at the Don Jail ever since okay. we heard there was an event happening there, like a theater show. Yeah. And it was like, oh, we can rent it. <laughs> so that's... One day. One day. One day. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it would be great to have a... Like a meetup of some sort. I know that there's... Randall will share it. And not an escape room meetup. Like a general, like, no, yeah. let's... What are in-person engaging experiences? Yeah. Yeah. Um, just... Ex- yeah. Experiences. Damn it. We've committed ourselves to something. Well, it's funny <laughs> because I've been asking Manpans, does that exist and where it is exist? Because usually what I like to do when I go into a community, and I'm quite happy in the escape room community, Man does more the immersive theater community, and I asked her, where is that? 
Because I know where it is in the escape room community. Yeah, yeah, But I don't know in the immersive well, community. Well, it, it probably does exist, but I'm not nearly as good at the social medias and the promotions as you are. And so, the loudness. And the loudness. So I, I kind of like dip my toe into like a Twitter and I'm like, yeah. where's the groups? Well, I, I guess, don't know. I guess like another thing to point out is like there is... There's a theater company called Q6 that runs Dungeons and Dragons and Dinner, which is like a high-end, like, Dungeon Masters show up in costume um, that you pay tickets for. It's a, it's a fundraiser for their theater company. But also, like, Stormcrow Tavern has, like, paid D&D sessions. And as far as I know, that doesn't exist anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, we have lots of board game cafes. And, like, we have, like, the most, es- like, escape rooms per capita. So, like, maybe that we don't have, like, the Sleep No Mores or the Attention Experiences or, like, the Speakeasies. That Speakeasy is San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Sleep no more scale thing, but like the average person seems to be like way more willing to do stuff. Maybe I've seen more pockets of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. suddenly I'll see something pop up in my Facebook feed. It's like, oh, this yeah, this very indie theater company yeah, is yeah. trying this thing, and that looks like fun. Mm-hmm. And so I'm seeing it like crop up more. But yeah, yeah. But well, I agree. But we don't have we don't have like the massive scale things. No, 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 not so much. They're hard to run. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think what I found out was the Sleep No More in the Manhattan five-story warehouse one, they, like, lost money for the first four years. Now they're great. Oh, oh, but, like, yeah. they, they had the ability to, like, buy a five-story warehouse in Manhattan and lose, lose money for four years. Like, they, they like, that's a yeah. that's several million dollars that they just, like, were able to invest without being super nervous. That's no one in Toronto really amazing. has that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, like, so, I mean, I, I'm Canadian. I spent two years, two and a half years total in the States so far. Um, uh, what I've learned is that in Canada, it's like really easy to get small grants, like between five to a yes. hundred thousand in the U S like you get nothing. You like, you get nothing. Uh, like you break your leg and then you need to die. Like that's how it is. But then randomly a millionaire will give you millions of dollars. Like that's, that's basically like the distribution of like wealth difference. So like, I think that's, like that's the same problem. Like like you see lots of like like the average engagement is like way higher in Toronto, but like mm-hmm. will we have a big weird thing? Maybe. Yeah. We, we need- can't even get dash here. What's dash? Oh, it's a puzzle hunt. Oh, okay. It happens in every okay, city except around here. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's so your so Illuminant Cat is kind of like a mix almost between like an immersive experience in an escape room or it is it is a game actually yeah it, it is, is it has a game element you game. have missions yeah. Yeah. like like you don't like in most immersive theater you don't really have missions so and the, like the thing and the reason like i didn't on purpose try to choose like something was like hard to describe I, i'm not that much of an artiste <laughs> i more was like i want to give them reasons to interact with an actor yeah um but i want it to be like kind of open-ended enough yeah. Uh, so, like the narrative still driven by the player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the actor will like straight up tell you to go places if you're taking yes. too long. Yes. <laughs> um, like it's not like D and D, which just takes as long as you want. Like mm. the actor has to be done in 45 minutes, and they, like they see the clock the entire time. Their job yeah. is to ma- make sure the show gets to a satisfying conclusion after 45 minutes. So, uh, like if it was totally pre-scripted or totally just a pre-canned puzzle, the actor, why I wouldn't need them there. Like right. I would just have pre-recorded everything. But. Um, but if you made it totally open-ended and totally could do choices and it could go anywhere, then like you end up with something that feels more like a Skype call and like it's mm. very jilting. And I'm knowing, I know because I've done two immersive theater experiences that are Skype calls, um, <laughs> which were okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, so 
Yeah, it was, it was like somewhere in between. You need to feel you have agency, but like you're kind of taken care of. And there's something to be said about having a live person there that yeah. you're actually talking to. Right? Yeah. There's and a who's weird responding charger. to you. That's, yeah. Yeah. Even if you're just like, even like the happy face thing, I still felt like she was responding to me mm-hmm. and not to my angry face emoji or yeah. my happy emoji. It's it's fun watching the start of every show. Um, and in the start of every show, like the actress sitting there on the screen. Um, and it was it was like, I remember the first show we, where we got a ton of people, which is like February 12th, we got six people. And like Steph like sees the cursor show up and we have this like moment where the person going landing on the page who doesn't know what to expect sees an actor on the page and they're moving and they're like, oh, and they see like this little face follow their cursor, which is their yeah. the way they... And then they see other cursors, and they're like, oh, okay, that's probably someone else's cursor. And then, like, Steph pokes them with her finger, and they're like, wait, she can see me. And then she, <laughs> and then she responds. Uh, and then there's this, like, magic sudden realization that you're like, wait, everyone, we're, it's like we're in the same room. Like, that happens within the space of 10 seconds, and it's magical to see each time. So how was it f- finding an actor? Have you worked with Steph before, or did uh, you have to explain this to her? And she went, what? So, uh... That was fairly easy. Uh, that was that. So Steph is like the fourth or fifth actor to do this uh, do this style of show uh, with me, and she she's very good at what she does. Uh, she has like an improv and a musical theater background, which is too bad because I didn't take advantage of her ability oh, to sing. She has a musical background. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't really do that in the show. I should have done that. Fuck. Um, so so like so I just like found her in, through the Toronto improv community, and we talked about it, and we like we kind of talked through a couple sessions, and then I could tell that she could do it. The the thing that's weird about this is like the only way you can really practice it is to do it. So like our first rehearsals were like late January and I was like inviting random Facebook friends I knew. Yep. And like it feels very formal. Like when when she's standing there in front of the green screen and then like I'm like standing there with the controls and like we kind of have to tell each other like there's no other way to do this. If we brought if we brought the people into the room, yeah. It wouldn't be the same. And, yeah. like, it'd also be harder to convince them to come to our green screen studio. <laughs> so, like, I've personally sent Facebook I've links over, like, Facebook Messenger to people to be like, hey, join this show. And then I'd, like, talk to them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd go in onto the camera and be like, okay, this is what's going to happen right now. We'll, we'll see if this makes sense. Steph, you ready? Are you ready? And then we just have to do it. And mm-hmm. when we were doing the first ones, we didn't even have final arts. We had, like, the black and... We actually had outlined art. It looked black and white. Uh, and uh, you kind of learn how to play with the audience. Mm-hmm. And it's... It's more, it's more importantly about play than delivering plot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was actually like, I, I set up the relationship between the actor and the writer that like, the job is not to deliver the actor's script. The job, like the writer makes an interesting scaffolding that you can play in. Because mm-hmm. the thing I know is like, a, like an improv actor can make anything good. Like <laughs> we could have this table falling apart and we could like do a funny scene about it for like half an hour and right. it would be fine. Um, and so, like, the the goal of the script is to make, like, an interesting scaffolding for fun stuff to happen in. No, that, I agree with all of that. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I was going to say, I was like... Where can you find me? That? Where can we find you? I'm at on Twitter at Dustin Freeman. You can email me at Dustin.Freeman at gmail.com. Escape character is at escape-character.com. Probably should change that URL. Kind of hard to find. Um, uh, and those, those are my, those are my things. 
Well, thanks so much for joining us and for having us play your game as well. That was a lot of fun. And can't wait to see what you come up with next. (laughs) Take us out? Take us out. Okay. Room Escape Divas is brought to you by InverseGenius.com. You can go to InverseGenius.com to find other fun podcasts just like this one. You can also email us at RoomEscapeDivas at gmail.com. We love getting emails. You can also find us on Facebook. Click the like button. And if you are on Twitter, Errol's breath smells, you can use the hashtag R-E-Divas. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.